This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. We're delighted that you're listening. Thanks for joining us. My guest today is Matthew Hutchings. He's the co-founder and chief product officer at Seek. Seek is a company that's building a quantum computing platform that combines classical and digital technologies for global businesses. Welcome, Matthew. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Nice to meet you, everyone. I figured we'd lead with, and I was on a meeting yesterday where someone posed this question. So, Matt, forgive me if... uh, I'm putting you on the spot, but someone said, what does SEEK stand for? I'm not sure all the listeners realize that it, in fact, is an acronym. So let is, you Yeah, agreed. Good question. So yeah, it's Scalable Energy Efficient Quantum Computing. Um, so so we built, we baked scalability right into our name. Um, but it's yeah. kind of its core to our, our, you know, our business, uh, our technology where we have this, this um, digital uh, scalable kind of cryogenic controller. Yeah, fantastic. So great. Thank you. So we've, we've got that on the record anyway, so people will know, <laughs> right? Um, I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a little bit about you know, your quantum journey. So our listeners have a sense of what you did before you started Seek. Yeah. Maybe where you, where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied, other companies or organizations where you worked, just to yeah. get people you know, starting out you know, a sense of how, it, how you've done it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I started out quite quite far away from quantum computing. Actually, I was doing a PhD in, in quantum dot lasers, um, which which was which was in Cardiff University, um, and that was a really cool PhD in the sense that I just got great hands on experience in the lab and and doing kind of fabrication of really complicated uh, kind of devices, uh, and, and yeah, lots of lab testing and 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 that kind of led me to um you know looking what do i want to do i wanted to get you know be more hands-on i was always very close to the kind of end user and end use case and that's why i really enjoyed lasers so uh similar time i was looking at what was going on in quantum computing and really excited by it so i started to see how can i use my skills for quantum computing um and then and then i was very lucky to get a postdoc position with Britton lord in syracuse university um which was yeah really cool so i was I was kind of given a crash course in how how you how you build quantum computers by Britain, who's like a real world leader in the technology and really gets it, and and was also just a fantastic teacher. And then I was also lucky enough to be working uh, with the quantum computing team in in Yorktown Heights in a collaborate in a kind of academic collaboration, um, which was really cool because they 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 were doing at that time you know the only kind of multi qubit arrays um, outside of Google and stuff, and, and yeah, so really seeing the cutting edge. Um, and I was I was doing a, a kind of novel qubit architecture within that, so it was kind of lucky that I was able to to use what I'd learned in the lab in my PhD, you know, in some design, you know, getting some new experience in quantum computing, and then and then figure out how can you make uh, novel qubit architectures um, that kind of alleviate the key the kind of scaling challenges of of when you go to an array level of qubit technology. Um, so I was it was a beautiful time to be in quantum computing where we were starting to think about okay. We've got qubits; they work. How do we start to make them work on a on a kind of larger qubit array style? Um, so I was I was really embedded in that, and it was really exciting. So those were early days for sure, right? I mean, in doing my due diligence, saw you were in Syracuse. I mean, that's so that's four or five years ago. Was well, yeah, um, yeah. 
So it was about, yeah, really kind of, it, it was the time when, yeah, we, we'd proven we, you could make coherent qubits and, yeah. and superconducting qubits is our kind of flavor and, and, and start to do the basic building blocks of quantum computers. Um, but yeah, four, four or five years ago, we were starting, it was really the time of like, okay, now how do you think about this as a system? How do you think about this as a computer? Um, so yeah, really exciting to be part of that work. And, and it led me to also kind of collaborate ultimately with Hypris, um, which, which spun out Seek. Um, and, and there we were thinking it was about yeah four or five years ago, uh, I guess, 2016, 2017 kind of window where we were yeah. Yeah, looking at, okay, Hypris has this, this low temperature superconducting digital technology they you know they were making and still are making the world's fastest you know digital switches um and you know these things can operate at tens of gigahertz right up to, to hundreds of gigahertz so you know this technology was superconducting really nicely placed with qubits we were thinking how can you use this technology to to control qubits um and then that led to a collaboration where we ultimately proved you could you know use yeah. this technology to control qubits and and then that led me to to forming Seek with uh with Britain and sorry with um with John and Oleg um our co-founders yeah. and yeah. yeah just a wild ride because seeing you go from from the lab to the kind of commercial space has been really awesome. So who are Hypers customers like so again thinking about like what the segue was to Seek right so like how did that transition happen or. Yeah, yeah, it was a good. So, so Hypris, um, you know, Hypris has been around for a long time now. So they spun out, they themselves spun out of IBM in the early eighties, um, and and for a long time, their 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 core customer has been the government and developing these kind of um, this superconducting technology for various applications. I I not even at liberty to talk about. <laughs> I don't even uh-huh. know the yeah, right. kind of top secret stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that also led us to, to why we wanted to spin out and become a completely separate entity, really, because quantum computing is, is, a, is, you know, the technology is going to have vast applications right across, you know, technology and, uh, and, and not just, you know, for government use cases and things like that, but actually, you know, in, in chemistry and in, in pharmaceuticals, in, in, in machine learning and optimization and things like that. So there's loads that had a vast commercial space. And so... So we wanted we we separated from Hypers, we spun out so that we could we could truly focus on a commercial level rather than a government level. Yeah. So how long ago was that? How long did you guys spin off from? Formally, we spun out in in 2019 as a completely separate financial entity. Um, and that was that, yeah, that was in line with our our Series B fund, Series Series Seed funding. Um, and but you know prior to that, we had set up a, a subsidiary in in Europe. Um, which is the first kind of subsidiary for Seek, and and that was at that point it was it was more it was a, a close collaboration with some academics uh, that we we have a good working relationship with there, and and trying to understand how you to start how you could start you know using this technology, and and then that that led the way to saying no, we want to spin this out as a formal separate entity. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so. I want to ask if you could tell our listeners about the digital quantum management system on a chip. Yeah. Right, BQM. Can you describe what that is and how that works and, you know, the level of scale and cost effectiveness that that brings to quantum computing? Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is kind of core to our technology. We talk about this, this, this technology of, of very fast switches. Um, and we realized that you could use these very fast switches to, to coherently control qubits and, and read out qubits. Um, and so, so the the beauty of this this digital quantum management system is it. If you look at a quantum computer today, um, 
uh, you know, the ones built by uh, Google and, and IBM um, and, and plenty of others and Rigetti. Um, what you see is these kind of room filling systems with beautiful, they look like chandeliers. <laughs> right, um, those dilution fridges. Yeah, and the, you've probably also. The wiring harnesses are. Yeah, you, you've yeah. Probably seen those beautiful images of those nicely lit lip. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I can tell it doesn't look like that in the lab. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. On, exactly. on the photos. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, but yeah, what you see is all those kind of wires, and and you know they put them in the back of the picture, all those racks and racks of room temperature electronics, and and it's all all of that. You know, these room temperature electronics, all those wires are just a control, just a few, a handful of qubits. Um, and it, and it just kind of tells you there's a huge amount of overhead that goes into into qubit control, and and we've estimated that you know just, just with all the wiring, all of the room temperature electronics, it costs like forty thousand dollars plus to, to per qubit to build a system. Oh, per qubit, wow. Yeah, so it's an immense immense cost, and and also just in system complexity, it's it's yeah. a room system, you know, it's room scale, yeah. um, which which ultimately is fantastic for getting us to. The proof of concepts that can we build a quantum computer and can we do something that a classical computer can't do we've done that and that's amazing but now we're thinking okay so what's the next step and how do you actually build a commercial platform um and and that we looked at you know ultimately if you go back to the early days of classical computing um they had these again room filling systems and it took the invention of the integrated circuit mm. um to take those room filling systems and build them on to make them systems on a chip and, and ultimately um made them made them scalable and commercial um and that's what the dqm is doing so it's essentially we we have this core um it's called single flux quantum digital logic we build that into the system on a chip and that's used to to do all of that functionality that those room temperature electronics is doing is now built to that onto that system on a chip um and then we we co-locate that in a in a special passenger process that maintains the quality of the qubits um, into an integrated package. Um, and that integrated package is ultimately like the integrated circuit, we like to call it, of the, of the quantum era. Hmm. So, uh-huh. um, and what it's really solving is, is that, that overhead wiring problem that, that you know, what, what the integrated circuit in the classical domain did was, was massively reduce the number of additional wires that you needed to control bits. Um, so they, they call it, you know, Bell Labs called, coined it the tyranny of numbers, that, that every time you added a bit, you would have to have more and more wires. and 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 that's how you get this this kind of uh, the head of Bell Lab saying that you could only ever have five qubit sorry five computers on the planet, right? Um, and that, yeah. so that's what the GQM is trying to is doing. Essentially, we we have this core technology that allows us to integrate all of the control that you need for qubits and the readout on a chip and 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 directly couple them to qubits. Well, wow, that's that's amazing. So the following one question is: so I realized that. Seek owns and operates, you know, your own chip fabrication facility, and among the most advanced in the world, mm. um, you know, giving you the ability to improve and, and rigorously test your chips. But can you share, you know, advantages and challenges of owning your own fab? I mean, first of all, that's an expensive uh, mm. proposition, isn't it? To, yeah, to it's a good, it's a good question, and it comes up quite often. Um, and I think, you know. The, yeah, this is this is this is the one of the only nine-layer superconducting foundries on the planet. The, the only one is is at Lincoln Labs, and that's not that's a government uh, lab. Um, and and so yeah, it's 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 incredible that we have this, this resource, um, and it's critical to making our our um, our cube our, our systems. And and it, you know, our CEO John likes to call it the kind of unfair advantage that that we only 
have access to technology. Yeah. Um, but, oh. but yeah, I think the advantage really is that that you know if you're making these 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 complex circuits, you really want end to end control of the process. Uh, so so right from yeah. design, yeah. fabrication through to test. And that end-to-end -end control allows us to really optimize and speed up the whole process. So, you know, whereas if you go out to a foundry, you'd be waiting three months, a year, you know, six months, a year to yeah. get the oh. design cycle and test cycle done. We can do that in, in you know, within a few months. Yeah. Um, and, and just we have, you know, if we have an issue in the, in the design, it, it, we've got the people in fab next door to go and say, actually, how do we optimize this? So I think the, the, the advantages are huge. and. And you talk about the cost, which is, you know, it's a good point. But actually, um, we, um, you know, the value of spinning out and not kind of starting up is, is, is we inherited this this foundry that was already yeah. a commercial foundry, already had, you know, decades of operating experience, and had a team that really knows. You know, this is a self that this is a self contained team that are fantastic. They know what they they know how to run foundries, and yeah, and and so they have we we can use the excess that we don't need um in, in as a commercial foundry and and that's actually super valuable for for foundries because you always want them ticking over always operating um, yeah and that and the revenues that we generate from those those services actually pay for the whole foundry itself um, wow. so for us it's not it's not it's it's a zero liability asset yeah so the following question is since it's one of two in the world are and i don't want you to share any competitive advantage or put you know confidential information but are there other customers and or partners given that this is one of two in the world i think you know the, the you know the, the basics are there's lots of in a in when you have a, a nine layer superconducting foundry there's there's so much cool stuff you can do with it um and so the applications are vast you know we we you know one of our customers is is nasa and they're developing really cool uh superconducting circuits for some of their telescopes which you know just as a side is like super interesting because we get to read about all of the yeah cool stuff that we're doing on on you know how you how you met you know look at cool stuff in space um so there's lo lo a wide range of applications um and yeah there's definitely people interested in how you could use our core technology for qubits but but you know our business strategy is ultimately that if it's to do with you know how you control qubits that's our ip that's our control um so we don't we don't necessarily allow that to to that's that's not part of the foundry service as such right so i want to shift gears for a moment and kind of take it sort of to the business level right and ask mm. uh on your site you list uh, these focus areas i'm reading from my notes uh, machine learning slash ai Logistics optimization, quantum chemistry, pharmaceuticals, fintech as focus areas for for you guys. Mm. Um, Want to get your take on you know which of these use cases is the farthest along and maybe why, and what do you think the laggard will be like? What will be breakthrough in three to five years or whatever the time frame might be? Yeah, sounds good. I mean, this is this is speaks to my area of of, of business. Like, what? Yeah. My 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 job in in Seek is to um is to be kind of managing and working with our partners and customers in this space. And and so Seek, what Seek is doing, um, is not necessarily building you know general purpose platforms, but we want to build very application specific uh, mm -hmm. platforms that can a whole design to minimize the the overhead and the, the hardware requirements to actually solve. Uh, uh, problems to give quantum advantage um, in the nearest time. So the, we've built a, a number of kind of application-specific projects around this, um, and the, the, the furthest along is definitely in the, in the chemicals, uh, chemical industry area and the pharmaceuticals. Um, we have a really fantastic 
working relationship with Merck, uh, who invested in our series Series A round, uh, and and we've worked uh, for a, for a year now uh, with them on on really digging in and understanding what 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 are the use cases for for quantum computing within their businesses, and not just looking at you know chemistry and and pharmaceuticals, but actually saying you know what specific um, application are we you know business application are we targeting what what down to like what what molecule are we simulating and and what the quantum circuit look like for that molecule so we've really done an in-depth study and now actually have a specced out you know what would the application specific platform look like to solve that use case so yeah i think that's probably the most most uh, far along and then we, we we're running a parallel effort uh, that, that's kind of kicked off uh, a few months ago with um with a major fi- uh, financial services company um, to to replicate the same, but in the financial area. So I think those are the kind of two use cases that are, are, are really you know well developed, understood. We know what we're doing. We know um, what the specs are needed, um, and th- those use cases are also kind of what we would class as kind of the best the best opportunity in the near term. Um, in the sense of if you look at the kind of applications and the quantum circuits needed to run them that they you know they can be run with a few hundred qubits um they can be run on on relatively uh shallowish circuits we're not talking like ultra shallow but when, when i say that you don't need a, a very long coherence length to get there um so all of these these kind of circuits look like they're within shooting distance of, of what we have and and what i say what we don't need is like a revolutionary change in the, t- the performance to hit the targets so that's why we think they're, they're kind of uh, near term uh, and then and then the more medium term looking a bit further ahead um is definitely in the kind of machine learning and optimization uh, and artificial intelligence because that's we know there you're going to want some level of of so-called quantum error correction where you take your noisy circuits and you and you try to to better you know, run a run a, a, a error correcting cycle and, and improve the performance of the underlying technology and that's definitely going to need you know more qubits more complex circuits um but we've we have some really cool projects uh one of them with a partner at one qubit uh, which is understanding actually how do you really streamline quantum error correction if you know a lot about the hardware uh and and we're also using our our superconducting digital technology that can that can be co-located with the qubits uh, to build a, essentially a decoder for quantum error correction, which I think we, we we believe is the first of its kind. It's a truly cryogenic decoder um, that can that can uh, be co-located with the qubits to massively reduce the kind of latency associated with error correction, and and that kind of one of the key bottlenecks to actually making it work. Wow, fantastic! So that's sort of near term, mid term. So what about H three? So what do you think is going to be like a really complicated problem that um again as a chief product officer you know where where is the opportunity that now is sort of too challenging to address but could represent uh you know a, a viable use case and or attributable revenue down the road right? yeah I mean, it's a good question i think i think the um it's a it's a it's not a, it's not a simple one to answer i think yeah um, yeah, yeah. In, in, i mean there is a simple your, the long your take what do you think you know? <laughs> the hardest thing that you could start doing today would be um one of the first reasons people started building quantum computers which was to, uh for um shaw's algorithm to solve um encryption so so how could you break encryption codes as they exist today and and that was kind of like uh shaw came along and realized that you could use a quantum computer to a um break um encryption codes that we use that we use these kind of prime factorial 
crypt uh, encryption you know there that you know it was theorized quite quickly that you know a quantum computer could break a code in a day that would take a classical computer the age of the universe so that got governments listening and going oh well this is kind of scary um, yeah and so you know i say that's the longest term it's going to take us you're going to need a, a universal fault tolerant quantum computer to do that uh, which is you know on the order of a decade away um but but if, if you care about your data in for longer than a date a, de- a decade which most people do uh it means you need to be thinking about it now but that so that, i think that's the hardest thing that if we were to start to do and and ultimately seek is not not looking at that as an application because it is 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 requires general purpose universal quantum computing um but i think more interestingly is the is the on the road to that um as you build more and more complex computers and and quantum circuits um you can do more and more interesting things in pharmaceuticals so say there's a as a there's a, a super near term use case in one specific area of pharmaceuticals which proves it's worth doing but then as you build a more complex system well, there's more we can generalize pharmaceuticals and and uh, what i'd love to see is is actually revolutionize the way way pharmaceuticals are developed how how drugs are made um so that less and less is done in in the wet lab and much you know ultimately one day it would be great to have uh computers that 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 could give you personalized medicine for example um so i i see that as the better you know that that's a long-term goal for us um could you create a computer that could be um you know scan someone's genome and, and come up with a, a targeted perfect drug for them yeah oh fantastic that's a that's a wonderful vision aspirational yeah. goal for sure I want to shift gears one more time and a topic that's near and dear to my heart as a multimodal nonlinear careerist is where the workplace is going, how to prepare the quantum ready workforce, if you will. Mm. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how a company like Seek finds talent. How do you go about recruiting? And if there's an opportunity at your, at your company, how how do you find the people to do this bleeding edge um, technology? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's a real, it's a challenge. Um, it's probably one of one of the biggest challenges we face as an industry that that recruiting good people is is hard. And, and you know, it was th- it's been kind of noted early on that that there's probably you know maybe a, a handful, you know, a thousand or a few thousand people on the planet that that really understand the technology enough to build it. Um, and and so that finding that talent is challenging. And it's part of part of our our goal. You know, our target on day one was seek founded in three different locations so so we started we we have a headquarters in in new york um we have a a subsidiary in london and one over in in napoli naples and um and the whole point there was to say you know if you've got limited a limited talent pool you know be where they want to be right and and pull in the best globally so so we want you know the talent is global so we need to be global on day one to really make sure we could get access to that and and that's been super helpful so we've been able to scale um our teams right across the board and and it's really valuable to say you know get talent in and go well do you you know people are interested some people are interested in living in europe some people are interested in living in in the uk some people really want to live in america and we have that option um and we can and we can really tailor the kind of workforces to the local talent um which has been super valuable but but it's a real challenging process. So, so we're bringing in a lot of PhDs, and and PhDs take take a long time to kind of come through. You know, it's a three to five year program 
So, so there's ultimately this lag that that once you've used up the talent pool in PhDs, you need to, you know, do you wait another three to five years for the next round? <laughs> um, yeah. And oh. and it, and it's a time-consuming process. So so you know, what, with a PhD, people are super focused on one specific thing, and you know that's not necessarily the thing we want and seek. So so we have to really understand what are their skills, what are their parallel skills, what what's the transferable skills, and it just takes time, but I mean, there are fantastic people out there, and and it's and it's and it's a great workforce. But I mean, if what we do know we need is is to move away from PhDs and more into kind of um, these quantum masters programs, where you know people can get like hands-on experience, maybe in a lab um, for a year. You know, they've maybe just finished their 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 degree and they they want to get in quantum computing. It'd be great to have these kind of dedicated courses of like hands-on, almost like a like a like I did at Syracuse, like the the rapid <laughs> rapid um, introduction to quantum computing, uh, and and it can work because people you know give people six months in a lab and they'll figure out and if they've done you know had some experience in the lab before they'll get it. Um, so I'd love to see these kind of programs start uh, happening more and more. We've we've already in the UK got got some some cool programs um, aligned with this, you know, specifically for quantum computing as well. Um, but you see that they're definitely still geared towards more getting people on PhDs and placements. Um, but I'd love to see them more towards, you know, how could you get an industry job and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, we've we've got we've got a load of positions at, at the moment. We've got I think we've got six uh, across across the area across three locations. Yeah. Uh, so what are what are they, Matt? Just tell our listeners what you know, just quickly who, yeah. who you're looking for. Yes, yeah, so so we're looking for you know right now we've got range range right from fabrication design through to test. Um, so we've got a number. You've got one fabrication uh, role, which is to work in in our foundry in in Elmsford in New York. Um, and so there we're looking for someone that's got you know, hands on experience in a foundry or in a fab, um, and and you know, they'll know who they are. Yeah, And then on the test side. Um, yeah, we, we've got a number of we've got um, test positions in all of our locations, actually, um, where we're looking for people that have you know, ideally had had experience, hands on experience in the lab, working on quantum quantum tests, you know, doing the kind of superconducting tests we, we tend to do on a day to day basis. Um, but most importantly, we're just looking for, you know, there's lots of people out there with with very transferable skills. So we look yeah. love people, smart people to apply. Um, and even if we, you know, even if we've got six roles, it does, you know, we more and more roles are coming on every every month. So um, we'd love to just see CVs and meet pe- and speak to people, and and, yeah. and generally you can find a good fit for people. Yeah, get them in your database. So as the company grows, you know, opportunities appear. And exactly, yeah. So and and take and and bringing people on board take is is a process, right? It takes months. So. So even if we have jobs coming on in 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 the next quarter, we were looking for for we're already you know in our in our process thinking about looking for those kind of talent people. Well, Matt, we're coming to the end of our session. It's been delightful. Thanks so much for uh, this great conversation. Yeah, I want to as you, you gave me permission, so I'm going to invite people to connect with you on LinkedIn. Absolutely, right to learn more about you and the company. Point people to the website seek.com. Uh, there's a newsletter there you can sign up for. Again, just to reiterate, they are hiring. So 
uh, any of you listening to this who are interested in working for Seek and have uh, skills that um, you know could help them drive their business model, please reach for Matt and or you know log into their website and check out the listings. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Great conversation. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Quantum Tech Pod. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to our conversations about quantum and business. We look forward to the next one. Thanks. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.